Creative Thoughts Podcast. Hi, this is Shane Vanderhart. Welcome back to another episode. For this episode, I spoke with uh, Walt Rogers today. He's the director of TEF Iowa. Um, that's Tax Education Foundation Iowa. Uh, he and I have known each other for a number of years, and he used to be the House Education Chair. And TEF Iowa also started working on the school choice issue, so he and I had a conversation about school choice and why he's interested in that and what they're pursuing, as well as uh, why parents more and more are becoming interested in school choice with the COVID-19 pandemic. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Walt Rogers. Walt, hey, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the Caffeinated Thoughts podcast. Thanks for having me, Shane. Very welcome. So school choice, uh, one of the things I've I've uh, noticed with the COVID-19 pandemic is is that uh you know a lot of well parents are you know a lot of them are opting for other options uh, like homeschooling yeah. or they want to uh, it's just amazing how the well everybody was a homeschooler for, for a while you know pretty much <laughs> yep. uh, which i thought hey this yeah. is great uh but you know some schools have been slower uh reopening some um are you know, having a mix of virtual and in person, uh, some are still doing mostly yeah. in person, and and I think uh, you know some of these plans are frustrating to some parents, and they might be looking for other options, uh, but but there yeah. there are roadblocks, aren't there, to that? So, well, yeah, there certainly is roadblocks. There's always been roadblocks, um, really, with with public education and with parents wanting to do you know what they want to do with their their child's education, so. Um, with the pandemic, I think that has exponentially uh, exasperated these roadblocks. And um, I mean, I could talk to you anecdotally all day long about stories I've heard from parents that are just frustrated, um, parents that are talking to their kids and their kids want to be back in school. I mean, they just they want to be back in school. And so a lot of them are back in school here in Iowa, which is good. Some aren't. Um, so, um, again, I think it goes to just the um, um, kind of the intrinsic nature of our public school system that sets it up as the system controlling things and the parents not. Right. And uh, I believe it should be the other way around. Yeah, I, definitely. Just it seems it seems like with the with the slow reopening, it's from i'm not hearing an outcry from parents about hey we want more online education i'm sure there's some but i'm not i'm not i'm not seeing that I, i'm just I'm, i've I'm heard seeing... nobody I'm, i'll be honest with you shane i've heard nobody say that yeah i mean well you know you know I, I sitting our kids in front of a screen like that's i mean we had you know when we homeschooled we had our kids do some classes online but i can't imagine yeah. You know, like we're going to plop my kid down, uh, could be, you know, kindergartner, first grader in front of a screen all day. Right. That, who in the yeah. who in their right mind thinks that's a good idea? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think anybody does. And so um, I think this whole situation has uh, given awareness to parents that, hey, maybe we should consider some other options. Okay. So. What now? As far as what are some of the, I, I guess some of the roadblocks that that you've seen, and you have uh, your your current roles with T, TEF Iowa Tax Education Foundation, correct? Yes. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, correct. And, yep. Correct. I, sometimes I forget what the acronym stand for, so I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad I was <laughs> yeah. right on that. Um, yeah. But but your your experience with education uh, and it has gone. I mean, you were the house education chair, so this is an issue that you've worked a yes. lot with. And in your time when you were in the house, what were some of the things that you kept on running? Because there have been slews a slew of school choice bills, ESAs, right. Right. tax credits, things like that. Yeah. What kind of roadblocks did you encounter when you were in the legislature? I think just uh, a lot of misinformation about uh, parental choice, about um, ESAs, about what uh, those things can do to public schools. And so not only misinformation from the left, but also from the right. And so I, I wrote uh, an ESA bill in 2018, and um, it by far, I mean, by all means, was not a universal type of a thing. It was, I think, only using, you know, $5,000 of state dollars for a potential ESA. And um, I just ran into roadblock after roadblock uh, of misinformation and of uh, just the out-and-out uh, untrue basically lies about, um, you know, what uh, school choice does, the potential of what it can do, the good things that it does in communities where it's tried. Mm. Um, so, I mean, we could spend a couple hours talking about the myth busting of, of um, school choice. Um, but I think just the number one thing was that it was going to hurt public education. And the study after study shows it does not. It does not hurt. In fact, where it's tried, um, the public schools become better. The uh, kids in public schools become better. And they actually have more money because you right. know, common sense tells you, you you take somebody out of the public school system where we're spending 16 grand on that child mm -hmm. and you take them over to a system where we're spending five grand. We just saved the state 11 grand. Now, in the most of those cases, that school system gets to keep some of those dollars. Right. So they, they just get more dollars for lesser, for fewer Less students. kids. Yeah. And so, so yeah. I mean, um, it does not hurt public education for when parents decide to uh, choose something else. Well, I, I remember reading, it's, I can't remember how many years ago it was, it wasn't too long ago, an article in Governing Magazine about... Uh, Edmonton uh, in Can Alberta, Canada, who implemented yeah. a, a, a voucher program, I think it was. Um, and we'll have to we'll have to get in the difference between vouchers and ESAs because a lot of people use those interchangeably, and that's not right. But right. anyway, I, right. but I digress. Edmonton uh, implemented the school choice program, and not only did the the public schools have to become more competitive and and um, innovate. But it challenged private schools to do better. And and frankly, you know, no, not a single, you know, there were fears that, oh, we're going to have public schools close. And not a single public school closed. There were actually some some uh, private schools that right. didn't quite meet the bill that actually closed as a result of that. But really, right. all ships rise uh, w with with school choice, I believe, anyway. I think we've seen that elsewhere. Well, it's not even only belief. I mean... A study after study has been um, – uh, I recently just read 27 out of 28 studies showed positive effect on public schools where school choice is tried. 
And so, and the one study was, has kind of been proven to be uh, an efficient study. And so uh, some of the people that promote that idea basically say all the studies that I have done, they've done to show the effect on public schools shows that uh, exactly what you just said. Um, um, everybody be- becomes better because of the competitive nature of what happens happening in that area. So um, that's the number one thing that we face when we're, we're talking about ESAs and, and school choice in the legislature is just the lies that are put out. Now, you, you mentioned you r- ran into some opposition from the right as well, because uh, you know, I, I, and one thing I think a lot of people don't understand is really this issue is more bipartisan. I think than what we give it credit for, you've got opponents on the left yeah. and the right, and you've got supporters on the left and the right. Um, but it, you know, it's 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 amazing who who your fremenies are on this issue because yeah. there's yeah. there there are just uh, there's just a lot of misconceptions. I, I'm I'm yeah. going to guess that probably the biggest roadblock on the right was probably money. Right. Um, the biggest real block I ran into was my rural legislators. Oh, and yeah. rural legislators, they they believe that it's going to hurt the rural schools uh, because I mean they're already struggling with you know um, you know people flocking to uh, urban areas and, and moving to urban areas, so they're afraid of that. Um, but what I would tell them. Number one, the studies don't show that that happens. Number two, um, if you've got a good rural school, you've got nothing to worry about. Um, right. Parents want to send their kids to good schools. And so if you've got a good rural school, you have nothing nothing at all to worry about. I mean, you're exactly right. I don't know why this has become a – well, I do know why it's become a partisan issue. It's because of the teacher union. But uh, it shouldn't be a, a partisan issue because most people, when you ask them straight up, should I mean should dollars follow the student to wherever the parents want to send them? Sixty-two percent. We did a study of that recently. Sixty-two percent say yes, the dollars should follow the student. And I've even seen some national studies lately because of the pandemic, and it's up over seventy percent. I mean, so that's an overwhelming majority of people think dollars should follow a student. In fact, a lot of people think they already do. And I've had people say, well, aren't, "Aren't they already follow the students?" And uh, you know. No, no, I no. don't. Um, and so I got into this whole this whole issue I got into it because I worked, um, my district is one of the Cedar Falls, and I saw kids in the inner city of Waterloo struggling, and parents, um, didn't matter if they were Republican, Democrat, uh, but they were mostly low-income parents that wanted a better situation for the kids. And uh, I remember when I ran the, um, the ESA bill in 2018, I don't know if you were there, Shane, but we had a huge subcommittee. Mm-hmm. Subcommittee sort of packed the, um, the education uh, room. And uh, I remember a, a mom from Waterloo came up there. And she was one of the first people to speak. And she sat down um, and she said, the public school does not offer my child what he needs. And I can't afford anything else. And I mean, I literally looked around and everybody goes, did anybody record that? Because... That's the message I yeah. want people to know. This is not about this is not about wealthy parents wanting to have their kids segregated, which is another mess. Which uh-huh. just boggles my mind. And well, really well, race well, at me when people say that. Well, wealthy parents, <laughs> you know? if they feel that way, they already do it. School choices exactly. are going to make it more more possible. Right, right. In fact, public school is the reason 
we, we get segregation in our neighborhoods. I could go into that for you know a whole other discussion, but right. public school is what's caused all the segregation in neighborhoods. Um, at any rate, you know, these well, parents that don't have these choices and can't move into wealthy neighborhoods, it's these better school districts. They're the ones that need it, and that's why I got into this whole issue was to give those parents the opportunity to send their kids to the schools they want or give them the opportunity to create a better school. Right. So let's talk a little bit about um, ESAs, uh, which stand for Education Savings Accounts, uh, for those who are yeah. you know, we're throw, we're saying ESA a lot, and they may you know, our listeners may not know what that means. How is that different than a voucher? A voucher uh, originally was basically the state would cut up the dollars and send it to the the entity where you wanted to send your school. So, I mean, if you have a, whatever school you wanted to send your kid to, they would send that voucher uh, directly to the school. Um, and ESA's educational savings account is an account that is set up in your child's name, and the money goes into that account, and then you, as the parent, have uh, control of, to use those dollars to whatever entity you want to send those dollars to. And um, the reason ESAs are a little more popular is because they can withstand constitutional scrutiny much better than um, the voucher system has. Yeah, even though vouchers, so, they kind of, I, I, they, I think uh, the Supreme Court in the, didn't quite kill the Blaine Amendment, which is the the, the right. constitutional language that kind of kills a lot of these school choice bills in some states. Um, and right. anti, it was the anti. We could hold do a whole a whole podcast probably on Blaine Amendment stuff, but just to needless exactly. to say, it's late nineteenth century. James Blaine pushed a bunch of anti Catholic lingo into. Uh, state constitutions and and uh, state laws uh, in order to protect the uh, public schools, which at that time was mainly Protestant because the, the only school choice option other than public school would have been Catholic schools. So um, right. it, it's kind of ironic. It's ironic now that, you know, we, evangelicals now are and uh, and other Protestants are now dealing with this. Uh, the, so it, it, it was bad then, bad now. <laughs> And and fortunately, it's exactly it's, right. it's not completely dead. The Supreme Court, I think, uh, mortally wounded it though. So uh, hopefully, yep, we'll see. Exactly right. Anyway, yeah. but but the premise of a school choice is um, those are dollars that we all pay. We all pay in, and those are dollars that the parents um, basically basically should have control of to send their children wherever they want. I mean, it's no different than. Um, we have several systems where we give dollars to people and allow them to control that. Um, Medicaid is a system where we give dollars to people and they can take those dollars to wherever they want. Uh, the GI Bill, the Pell Grant, those are all systems where the federal government gives dollars to people and they can send those, you know, use those dollars however they want. As simple as the idea of food stamps. Food stamps are federal dollars. You give the people. And we don't tell them that they have to use those dollars only at Walmart. They can mm-hmm. use those dollars wherever they want, you know. And so the system we have set up right now basically is just like giving people food stamps and saying, okay, you can only go to Walmart to use those food stamps. Well, that's not a real choice in how they want to use those dollars. And so um, uh, we would never get that with, with food stamps, but we're doing it with, with public education. Right. So um... – 
as far as as gosh having a brain fart moment here gotta love that when you're recording a <laughs> podcast <laughs> so if, wow there's so many different directions you can go on this issue I mean, you can, there's so many there's so many aspects of it that we need to address uh, that, you know, as a legislator and tried to get it through, it's so frustrating that people don't understand, you know, how, um, you know, really how good uh, an ESA is for not only uh, our budget, but for parents' choice, for, for kids um, um, who are struggling, for kids who are not struggling. I'm, I, I had a parent come to me several months ago. And their child was being bullied, freshman uh-huh. in high school, being bullied. They, uh, he was a really good athlete. They moved him up to uh, varsity, and he was being bullied by the varsity players. He was being bullied so bad that he was con- uh, considering suicide. And so um, she went to the school and said, I want to move my kid. They wouldn't let her do it. Right. Uh, because apparently they weren't convinced that he was being bullied or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that she had to, I mean, in the end, she had to um, rent out an apartment in a different town so she could say that that's where they lived to take her child out of that school. Yeah, was this um, like that's just not. I know there. I know with open enrollment laws, there are like three school districts that can deny open enrollment for the most part, and that'd be There's denying five think, school districts. Five, was, five. Yeah, okay, it was Waterloo. Waterloo. It was okay. Waterloo. Okay. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. That's that that's that's another topic too. But um, I suddenly remember what I was going to ask about. One, one <laughs> so nice save, by the way. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so uh, one one of the things one of the things I hear a lot from um, some of my conservative friends, and it's something I, I you know I'm I'm concerned about as well with school choice programs. I support school choice. I'm always concerned about how a bill's written. What about potential right. uh, strings attached? Yeah, I mean, that's an issue uh, where we address with anything with the with the state. I mean, they could decide to uh, overregulate um, homeschooling right now if they wanted to. They could regulate every aspect. What I tell people who are worried about that is, yeah, I'm worried about it too, but I would rather have a system where my kids have a better choice of being in a school where I, want, I feel good about them being taught what I want them to, to learn instead of being at a public school, they're being potentially indoctrinated in, in stuff that I don't agree with. Um, yeah, I worry about the, the over-regulation of, of the public, public system. Um, that's something we have to be careful of. And as we write these laws, uh, legislators have to make sure that they don't put these overarching um, strings attached to them. So I think it's a, a fear that is definitely legitimate but um, that's that's why we have to continue to make sure we're we're on top of it and, and don't get to the point of regulating of of the whole system. So yeah, and and you know I mentioned fremenies earlier, <laughs> and I, I come from the homeschooling community, and and I have to say yeah. that that some there are some homeschoolers that are like staunch, staunch, staunch opponents to to ESAs, especially at least ESAs as, as, as they are, as they open up eligibility to homeschooling families, because, and and I think a lot of these folks are like the, the, the pioneers, the people who fought tooth and nail to get homeschooling in a state, which I have high, you know, a lot of respect for, 
but one of the things that I always, uh, one of the things that always you know intrigued me about this argument is like, you know, we we argue for parental rights and parental choice when we're ta- making a homeschooling argument, but it's like why don't we respect parental rights and parental choice when it comes to families deciding whether or not they want to, you know, opt into an ESA program for homeschooling or not. I just, so that's anyway, um, those right. are my words, not Walt's. <laughs> so if anybody <laughs> wants to get mad about that, they get mad at me. Um, yeah. but that, that's well, something that's always, that. go ahead. I was going to say the bill that I wrote in 2018 did not have any, any strings attached to homeschooling at all. So we didn't even address that. So we stayed out of that discussion a hundred percent. Um, but my previous point is um, it doesn't matter. I mean, ESA or no ESA, the legislature, if they all of a sudden became uh, controlled by liberal Democrats, they could all of a sudden start controlling homeschooling if they wanted to, regardless right. of what's happening with ESAs. Oh, and they will. I mean, and they will. Yeah, my, independent private instruction, gone. Uh, that's, I mean, the, yes. that, that's target number one, I know. Exactly. And so it doesn't really matter um, if there's an ESA or not. Uh, you get, uh, if the legislature gets controlled by um, the teacher union and the liberals in the next uh, session, they're going after homeschoolers. I can guarantee it. So what what is uh, TFI's, Iowa's role in all this? Since uh, you're mainly a tax, edu- you know, tax policy. So this is kind of a, a new sure. uh, realm for you guys. Well, and as I talked with um, my team this past year, you know, one of the things we talk about is, is taxes and spending, and spending is is obviously the, the biggest issue causing our taxes to go up. Um, and so as we're looking at that, we're going, well, we should address the number one spender in our government, and that's education. And so um, we are spending almost 55% of every every dollar in Iowa on education, I've, over $16,000 per student. And so we're spending a lot of money on that. Um, And I think, as I've talked to educators, uh, pro and con on both sides, um, they all think that there is probably um, a lot of waste in the public school right now. In fact, um, one study from Kennesaw State said the last 20 years, real spending for education has gone up 27%. Real teacher pay, get this, real teacher pay has gone down 2%. Right. So then he's now, wait, wait, when you say real teacher pay, what do you mean by that? Uh, compared to cost of living. So they compare okay. it to the okay. cost of living. And so, the, you know, that's what the real pay is. Um, and so... Teachers are actually, that's why I point to this whole thing, teachers are actually getting a raw deal with public education. Uh, they would get a better deal. In fact, they typically, when competition uh, is interjected into the whole system, teacher pay and salaries go up. Studies have shown that also, too. And so, um, but the reason the school, the money has gone up, the teacher pay is going down, is because we have just taken off with uh, administration with uh, support staff, all of those things. And why do you think a teacher union would want more people being employed by 
the district. They want I, more union dues. Oh, true, true, true. <laughs> more yeah. people, yeah. More people in the system, more union dues. And so they are always pushing for uh, a system that is hiring more people, hiring more administration, uh, and all of those things. And so not, not even touching the idea of administration, that the, uh, their salaries have gone up exponentially also. And so um, in a public school system, let's just be honest, it's, it's become this big conglomerate uh, factory monopoly school. That's right. what's happened. And so the inefficiencies are out of control. Um, yeah, we are not attacking. I don't attack teachers. In fact, teachers are fantastic. My wife is in the public school speech pathologist for 31 years. The teachers in the system are fantastic, but they're getting a raw deal from the system. They're getting yeah. a raw deal from the system. Definitely. And the system is uh, destroying us. So hopefully, and that's why, I mean, the cost of the system is destroying our tax policy. And uh, tax policy is what we do at TEF Iowa, and so that's why we addressed um, the number one spender yeah. of taxes and in education. K twelve is like I'm trying to remember, like forty percent, forty five percent of the budget, the general fund. Yeah, forty two. Forty two. Okay, yep. and in education total, when you lump in higher education, it's pro- it's going probably towards sixty percent, right? Ish. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Iowa, that's when people talk about, you know, let's, let's, we need to increase spending for, for education. It's like, well, what are we going to not spend money on then? Uh, what right. are we going to cut? Right. Cause there's not a whole lot more that you can cut. And you've got, you know, obviously uh, with, with, uh, uh, Medicaid, Medicare, uh, or Medicaid. Can I always get those two mixed yeah. up? But state spending—that's yeah. yeah. that's pretty well locked in. And then you have to have a correction system, and there's just all sorts of things the state has to do. So it's Medicaid that, went in, that, in the last ten years. Last ten years, Medicaid went from twelve percent of the budget to almost twenty percent of the budget. Now think about that. Yeah. In the last ten years, Medicaid, and you know why? Obamacare. Right. So don't get me on started on that. <laughs> it went from 12% of the budget to almost 20%. And so, and then we never cut education in, in that time span. So what has been cut? Everything else. So the state budget is tight with everything else because, number one, Medicaid has taken off because of Obamacare, and we've continued to fund education appropriately. So everything's tight because of that. So we've got to start looking at what we're spending it on. Right. And the best way to to change that is to look at school choice because it offers options at a lower cost and, and, and better, actually better outcomes. And, so and anybody hope, with common sense, anybody with common sense is going to say, yes, let's look at this. And, and hopefully it'll I force. Get a little passionate. I get, I get a little passionate about this topic. Sorry. Yeah. You know, not, no, no problem. So, and hopefully it'll force public schools if passed to streamline. And I, you know, as far yeah. as, as far as, a potential success for this year or this next session, getting um, a bill passed. And I know in your role at TF Iowa, you can't really comment on this, but obviously we got an election right. and, and <laughs> elections have consequences and it's been tough to, to get this through, you know, even a Republican led house and Republican led Senate with a Republican governor. So um, not, right. it's a, it's right. an uphill climb either way. But I, what know, I can do climb. is, right. What I can 
I can do and what I'll keep doing is educating islands on, on this issue because I think that's one reason we're not moving forward. We're just, we have so much misinformation about it. So that's our goal is to, um, to educate people about it. And, and I think if people just look at the facts and look at the common sense of what's happening, they'll come to the same uh, conclusion that you and I are coming to is that um, ESAs are a good choice for Iowa and for parents and for, and for students and for teachers. Better yeah. for everybody. All right. Hey, Walt, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Where can people learn more? Uh, TEFIowa.org. TEFIowa.org. Great. We'll have to have you back on. Thank you so much. Thanks, Shane. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. That concludes today's episode of the Caffeinated Thoughts podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you happen to be listening to this podcast somewhere other than on our website, please be sure to check out caffeinatedthoughts.com. Again, that's caffeinatedthoughts.com. Or you could just Google Caffeinated Thoughts and it'll show up at the top of your search screen. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, sign up for our emails. That way you don't miss a single update. And we also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast. So if you if you are listening to this podcast on our website, uh, there are a lot of easy ways to subscribe. That way you don't miss a single episode. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, Blueberry. I think that's it. Um, I've got some re- a request into Amazon, so hopefully we'll hear that soon. They just launched a new podcast feature. So. It's better for us, convenient for you to listen on your favorite podcast apps. So also, too, uh, if you happen to be listening to us on, on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating. If, if you don't like what you hear, just forget I said anything at all. Until next time, my friends, have a great day and, uh, and take care. Bye.